podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. I only trained probably two weeks or three weeks for this fight. I had to bury my best friend and I dedicated this fight. I wasn't going to fight. I dedicated this fight to him. I was going to rip his heart out. I'm the best ever. I'm the most brutal in Michigan, most ruthless champion there's ever been. There's no one could stop me. Lynch is a conqueror. No, I'm Alexander. He's no Alexander. I'm the best ever. There's never been anybody ruthless. I'm Sonny Liston. I'm Jack Dempsey. There's no one like me. I'm from their club. There's no one that can match me. My style is impetuous. My defense is impregnable. And I'm just ferocious. I want your heart. I want to eat his children. Praise be to Allah. Hello and welcome to another episode of Ringside Fracas. I'm your host, Naeem, and today Dapo returns. Dapo, how are you, bro? It's good to be back, man. I've missed boxing. I've missed the Ringside community. Um, yeah, man. So, uh, let's get into it. A lot of exciting stuff ahead. You're back at a great time. I mean, this week uh, we came off, obviously, the um, Better BF Smith uh, fight, which I think kicked off 2024 in a great way. Uh, great and then. And then on Monday, we got the announcement for Joshua versus Nganu, and then also the undercard for Joshua versus Nganu, which we're going to go through now. We did cover last week in terms of it being signed, but we didn't get to see what the um, actual undercard would be. So we're going to go through that as well, because the undercard is quite good. And also the Fury Usyk undercard, because we've been waiting quite a bit um, for that also. And also, in that same Joshua Nganu um, press conference, we got something that I, th- I didn't. I don't think a lot of us expected that we would probably get agreed to so quickly, which was a Matchroom versus Queensbury event, a five v five tournament that they're going to do. So we're also going to be covering that today, and then to end things off, a preview of next week's big fight between Jaime Munguia and John Ryder, as there's a lot on the line which we're going to talk about um, while we come to that preview. But you know what? Let's get straight into it. So Monday, it's announced. We knew it. We knew it was signed, but now they. Uh, announce it, J- Anthony Joshua going to take on Francis Ngannou in what they call um, Knockout Chaos, which I think I can't like the the naming of that isn't that great. And yeah. the design, did you see the poster design? I didn't really like it. It was like video games and I, 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 I get it, but at the same time, it's like, eh. It wasn't... Yeah, it's just trying to go for like an arcade style beat-em-up Street Fighter vibe thing going on. It makes sense, but at the same time, the name isn't great. No, it's not. <laughs> it's not. It's not um, a to it, in my opinion, but it matches what they're trying to do. So here's what it's whatever. Yeah, so uh, on the last podcast, I always asked the boys and we gave our thoughts on Joshua versus Ngannou, but I didn't ask you that, obviously, you know, you, you're a big fan of Anthony Joshua. What do you think now about him taking this sort of what we call exhibition slash spectacle against uh, Francis Ngannou? Yeah, um, it's it's an interesting one. Um, I've seen a lot of a lot of people are quite split, right? Some people believe that it's okay for AJ to take the kind of fight at this point in his career because his resume speaks for itself, right? And he's not current champion, so he's not really stopping the heavyweight division from moving along by taking this fight. So that's one way of looking at it. So it's just like, okay, Ngannou's had a uh, a good performance against Tyson Fury, who a lot of people believe is the number one heavyweight in the world. Um, you know, this is an opportunity for AJ to sort of get his name back in the mix and make a statement, et cetera, et cetera, and say, you know, this is another opponent we, we have in common and look what I did to him, et cetera. So there's a, there's an opportunity, but at the same time, 
this is a fighter who has only fought once. Um, and, you know, as a two-time world heavyweight champion and someone that's still in contention for the championship, like he's still, he's, named, he's, not, he's not like Wilder, who is obviously off a loss. He's, 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 he's building himself back to that picture, right? So some people will, you know, complain, but I lean more towards the... Um, I, I lean... I had an issue when Tyson Fury fought in Ghana because um, I wanted to see the undisputed fight and him doing it at that time, I just felt like it was just a waste of time and I wanted to see that fight so badly. And Fury holds a belt. And because Fury holds that belt, he is um, putting, you know, he's almost holding the, the division back, right? So that's why I had an issue with Fury, but I don't have much of an issue with um, Joshua doing it because he's not a current champion. And, uh, you know, I don't think we'll get this fight if uh, Ngarn doesn't have that sort of performance against Fury. So... You know, it's a catch play too. There's pros and cons, but for me personally, it's signed now. I don't really see an issue with it, only because AJ is on the same level as like most of these heavyweights now because he's not a champion, you know. And if Ngannou chose to fight a Dylan White or he chose to fight, you know, a, a Joseph Parker or whatever, I don't think ma as many people would complain about it. But because it's AJ, people have a problem. But they're, they're, they're all on the same level almost um, because neither of them, those, those fighters are champions. And after Ngannou fought Fury, I saw many people putting all these sorts of names with Ngannou. I want to see Ngannou Wilder. I want to see Ngannou. This person, Ngannou Zhang, Zaini Zhang. Honestly, AJ is on the same level as these guys in terms of where he ranks, in terms of like where he is as a fighter. Not skill-wise, obviously, but in terms of where he is, they're on the same level. So if you have a problem with Anthony Joshua fighting Ngannou, you should have the same sentiments with all these other fighters fighting um, Ngannou, in my opinion. As long as you don't have a belt and you're not holding the division hostage, I think it's, it's whatever. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the main, our main issue when when Fury was fighting Ngannou was um, that he was a champion mainly. He was he'd be stupid not to fight Ngannou because the money made sense there. And it, it's an easier. It, it was or on paper it was. He didn't make it easy uh, that fight for himself, but it was an easier fight on paper. And uh, the the amount of money on there on the line, he'd be stupid to take turn it down. So same thing with AJ. Uh, the difference again, like you said, with AJ that we that we look at and is like, well, he's not holding up. Like you said, he's not holding up a fight. He's not been ordered by any sanctioning body yet to fight anyone. The two options in front of him is Zhang and Hergovic outside of Inganu that they were looking at. And well, Hergovic, they want to do it for the IBF title, and they know that there's a very high possibility that it won't get ordered as soon as March, and the Saudis want something for March. And Zhang is, has the WBO interim. So again, why not just wait for a bit, you know, until the WBO make Zhang a champion and then you can fight, fight him for a belt or whatever. So they needed something for March and they, the Saudi said that we want to do Nganu because we think this is the biggest money fight possible. So obviously AJ's not, AJ's not um, going to turn that down. He'd be dumb to, to turn that down. But there, it is true that we, we would rather see him fight... Um, Zhang, Hergovic, because they are much, much better fights than that, much more competitive. They they should, on paper, pose much more of a threat uh, to AJ. But it's here, look, it's here, he's doing it. I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll give him the leeway the same way I, was, I would have given Fury the leeway is Fury was meant to fight Usyk in December. Okay, it's happening in February, but 
the same thing with AJ. He's got to be fighting someone else as soon as he can, straight after, whether it's Zhang or Hergovic. Well, now the the thing that um, uh, Turkey Al Sheikh said was he wants the winner of Joshua Ngannou to fight the winner of Fury Usyk. So I'm not sure what's going on in that space because I heard when Fury Usyk was announced there was a two way rematch clause that it doesn't matter who wins or who loses. Um, there was going to be a rematch on the line. Now we're hearing this. So, but we'll see when it when we come to it. Obviously, when we get that bridge, when both of these fights are done. But look, in terms, I, I said it before last week. In terms of business, it this will get eyes on the sport because a lot of if you go through the entire MMA community in terms of YouTube and in on the internet, or whatever, a lot of these people think Inganu um, can win and beat AJ. They don't, they don't rate AJ that highly, and they think uh, Inganu can beat him. So you'll see that a lot of people will tune into this fight, and it, it's too big. Six foot six, they're around that height, big heavyweights that can punch hard. It's gonna people are gonna watch it, um, regardless. But the good thing that they did was they made a good card under it, and that that card can also set up timelines for us, uh, in terms of like fights that we can build towards. So, I'm 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 not happy in the sense that this fight brings me that much happiness, but AJ's being active, um. He he's the big dog in the sport, along with Fury, Canelo, them guys. So as long as those guys are active, the sport thrives when the big names in the sport are active. So you can't complain too much. And the undercard that they delivered is quite good. Chris Walsh says, uh, big up, lads. Hope you're well. Thank you, Chris. Hope you're well, bro. Big up, Chris. And he also says, from a business sense, it makes sense, but I'd rather AJ fight Zhang or Parker. But we need to see if Ngannou is actually good or if Fury is way off it. I suspect Fury is way off it and he thinks uh, AJ knocks out Ngannou. Yeah, I'd agree. I think AJ could probably stop Ngannou, but I think Ngannou can take a couple shots. I think Ngannou can definitely... I've got a take on that whole thing, but I'll wait till we get to that section of it of what I actually think of because... Ngannou is the equivalent of a pub quiz winner and getting a bloody honour for it. No way Ngannou should be in the top 15 for the WBC for you. Well, that's it, isn't it? It's the WBC that messed up this entire situation by letting Tyson Fury fight Derek Chisora and then letting him fight uh, Francis Ngannou um, uh, and not saying anything about his uh, his world title and then giving Ngannou a top 15 belt, uh, title ranking for no reason, should showing the rest of the people in the top 15 rankings that these rankings don't matter, we don't care about you. As long as you make money for us, then then that's the only thing that matters. Your your merit on fighting and ability and achievements don't matter to us. So they all of those those guys should look at them and go, you know what? I'm not taking part in this because I know that I'm going to get looked over a lot of the times. Agreed. When Fury was fighting Ngannou, I feel like it was a waste of time. Fury underestimated. Agent will take it seriously and knock out Ngannou in the first half of the fight. Trust me. Yeah. He's with, um, he's still staying with, AJ's still sticking with uh, Ben Davison, which I like, because like we said, uh, it seems like Ben understands him a bit more, and he keeps things simple, and they're not really changing too much about his game, that they're just getting him to punch harder, to punch through the target, and to take his time with his fighting, and not just overthink things, but just keeping it simple. And I, I like the fact that he's with um, Ben Davison, because I said this before, Devin Haney said this on an interview. Lee Wiley and Ben Davison are probably two of the most tactical-minded uh, people and smartest people when it comes to boxing that he's met. He really likes their professionalism and how they approach certain fights. So, 
it's good to stick with Ben Davison because he will look at whatever Inganu has, and Ben will they'll they'll take advantage of the weaknesses that they can see from Inganu. <laughs> but Derek James, you're out of here, mate. <laughs> Train of the year is gone. He's gone. Dead Reckoning was a good name for a poster, but other names so far has been atrocious. Ring of Fire, yeah. Whoever the Saudis have got as their graphic designer and their post, like their, you know, the people that come up with the names, the brainstorming, yeah, they got to fire them lot. Some rubbish, like, like, like there wasn't, I, I feel like they just went, what sounds cool? And then they just pitched it to a group of year eights. They came up with this, and that was the best that they came up with. Like, yeah, we're going with it. Sounds cool. <laughs> AJ just needs his confidence back, which he's getting back slowly. Ben is perfect for that. Yeah. Like I said, Ben Davison is a good trainer. If it, if it works, stick with it. Don't change what isn't broken. So I, I think Ben is, is especially good for AJ because I do think AJ was stuck between styles before. Yeah. And um, seeing some of the things that Ben has been saying or some of the things that even AJ has been saying about Ben, how they've been working together, it sounds like a... We're gonna use the best things about you and just make that better, rather than try and teach you about your weaknesses and stuff. Yeah, I think that's. I think at this stage of AJ's career, that's probably the best thing you can do. He's not. You know, you're not gonna change him to Usyk overnight. You know, so yeah. Yeah. So I wanted to come back to your um, theory about uh, Inganu. And not getting stopped, uh, or being stopped, or whatever it was. So, what what was your theory on that? Okay, so I've rewatched the Fury and Ngannou fight. I feel like Fury's performance has made the MMA and boxing community overestimate Ngannou as a fighter. Let's go away from boxing for a second, and let's go to MMA. Nganu hasn't always been the best striker. It's just that he is a very, very strong man and hits very, very hard. We have seen how limited he is as a fighter in MMA, his own discipline, right? Because he had a knockdown against Fury and he um, obviously won a couple of rounds, people now think that he can do that again to other fighters. I don't subscribe to that. I feel like any fighter that takes him even half seriously will end up stopping him only because of how the different disciplines translate. If you just take how Ngannou performed on its own merit, you will see even in front of Tyson Fury, and which that, that version of Fury is one of the worst versions I've ever seen of Fury in a very long time. I haven't seen that, that Fury fight that bad before and obviously we've I've said on the podcast the reason why I feel like he looks so bad is mainly because he is deteriorating as a fighter like these things do how you look after your body how how active you how active you stay these things do your, your past opponents these things accumulate and, and make a difference and I think that's a big part of why we saw that version in front of Ngannou he will look better versus Usyk he will he will come more prepared but um that's why I feel like he looks so bad I don't think we're going to get the same thing with Anthony Joshua. Um, and I feel like we will quickly see the difference between a boxer and an MMA fight. Ngannou is not a boxer. Um, and I could be wrong. This is, this is, this is, this is, this is combat sport. Like we get shocked all the time. That's one of the reasons why we love this sport. 
But my I suspect that, like Chris said, this fight will end very, very early because we will see the difference very quick between an actual boxer and someone that's just picked up the gloves. Because although although Ngannou did that to Fury, he still looks like someone that just started boxing. He, he still looks that way. It's just that Fury performed so bad. Um, and he's, regardless, he's still a six foot six, 200 whatever pounds man. So if that person hits you, you will go down, no matter how skilled you are. So um, I just feel like I've seen, I've seen a lot of people, people are trying to make this, this fight sound more competitive than it. Even Eddie Hearn now is doing it, which is very funny to me because a few months ago, Eddie Hearn was saying that, you know, um, prospect heavyweights were beating Garden. So it's very, very interesting how trying to sell this fight. Like it's very, very. I don't think it's that dangerous, honestly. Um, I don't. I don't think because outside of being hit clean, what dangers does Ngannou possess? Like, what does he possess? Like, what does he bring to the table? What's dangerous about him? He can't. He can't throw you on the floor. He can't grapple with you. You know, um, he can hit you, but does he have the technical ability to actually land on you properly? Boxing is not. It's not like MMA where you can get away with those kind of punches. You have to set things up. Uh, especially when you're fighting a school fighter like Anthony Joshua. Do you know, it's not Dylan White. It's somebody that can snap their punches. He can jab you. He has different combinations. He has power in both hands. You know, that's that's just how I feel. I see that fight. I feel like people are overestimating how dangerous Ngannou actually is to to prop up the fight. But I don't think it's 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 what people are trying to make it sound. Especially the MMA community. I mean, MMA community has never had greatest opinions when it comes to certain things. So we're not gonna. I'm not. I'm, I've never taken them for like, um, for word in terms of how smart when they, it comes to them. And I'm, I'm a big MMA fan, but I've seen a lot of times when it comes to the the community, it's not great. I'm an MMA guy. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> even when in Chris says, even when Inganu knocked Fury down, Inganu didn't even try to go for killer instinct. He backed off. Fury. I think it's more to do with Inganu's never been in that position where. I was about to say the exact same thing. He doesn't yeah. really because in MMA the guy goes down, you can finish his fight right there. Yeah. The guy gets up in boxing, he gets 10 count, he gets up, and he's now obviously Tyson Fury has a way, he knows how to recover, right? Yeah. And he's he knows how to keep you away from him, etc. He doesn't know what to do in that kind of situation. He's not schooled. And also, there's a reason it's 10 rounds. Ngano doesn't want to then just start blasting his hands away, hoping he catches Fury. And then when he doesn't, that's it. He's messed for the next 10 rounds. The next you seven know rounds. That he's had problems with his stamina, even in the UFC. Ngani gets tired. Yeah, you know, he got tired in the um in this in the Fury fight. At the end of the Fury fight, the, the, the last two, three rounds in the Fury fight, both of them were tired as hell. They couldn't do anything to each other. That's why that fight looked as close as it did, because Fury should have saw out those rounds and could have beaten up Ngani in those. But his legs were gone. His conditioning wasn't there, and he couldn't do anything to him in that in those, and that's why the fight ended the way it did. Uh, Fury has the twenty count uh, from the first fight. <laughs> forget about Wilder, man. Let's forget about this guy, man. Okay. <laughs> that's how it was. You lost Four twelve. Fucker, man. Let's forget about Wilder. <laughs> um, no, that's like six years ago, almost now. That that that, that chapter's been closed, Chris. We're not going back to the first Wilder fight, but. What I will say is, uh, it will be interesting to see how in how AJ and Ingarnu deal with each other in terms of their strength. Both strong guys, but we'll see like how 
it looks in the clinch, especially the. I'm 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 interested to see how AJ deals with Ngannou in the clinch, what he does. I'm sorry, has AJ ever fought anyone as big and strong as Ngannou? No, no. I think the strongest fighter he probably would have fought. Klitschko. Maybe, yeah. Yeah, probably Klitschko. But the guy that will probably that gave him a lot of trouble on the inside. Uh, Povetkin. Povetkin, yeah. Povetkin, but Povetkin's because Povetkin's the type of guy he doesn't care where he's punching as long yeah. as he's landing a punch somewhere on like even if it's on your arms, your elbows, whatever. And also, yeah, he's very rough and tough with it. So uh, mm-hmm. Takam as well. Takam is also strong. Takam, Takam is strong, yeah. Not as big as Ingarnu. I'd imagine Ingarnu is quite stronger than the, all of them. Like mm-hmm. just physically as a person, they're quite stronger than them. All right, so there's that fight. Um, Joshua versus Ngannou, that's obviously been announced. And uh, again, it it still has mixed reactions, but I can't complain of the undercard that they actually set up for it, which is a decent undercard. And the main fight that they've put under it, I'm quite happy with. I think it's a really good fight. Uh, Zhile Zhang will return from his uh, third round knockout over Joe Joyce to fight Joseph Parker, who's coming off his be- career best win, as well as Zhile Zhang. Um, over Deontay Wilder. I mean, that is a great fight. You've got two legit top, I'd say top five, top ten heavyweights fighting off against each other, who, if we're being honest, in terms of meritocracy, these two deserve a title shot. If uh, The winner out of them would deserve a title shot, one million percent. Like, Zhang or Parker, I'd love to see them fight Fury or, or Usyk. And and this fight is is a brilliant fight. I, I think um, they set up well. We we initially thought so when we when we were discussing this last week. We thought it was Zhang versus Wilder. Turns out that's not happening. Wilder said uh, he's returning in March, but he hasn't said who, where, what. So that's in the. We're not going to worry about that for now. But Zhang versus Parker is brilliant, especially from Joseph Parker. Like you got to give credit to him taking on Deontay Wilder on in December and then Zhile Zhang in March is a huge feat. Those two wins eclipse anything that AJ's done. His resume is starting to starting to cook a little bit. If he if he beats Zhile Zhang, those two wins eclipse anything AJ's done in the last like three four years. Mm. It does. It, it just does. Sorry, mm. but it does. Like that is a that is two very very good wins. Good wins, yeah. Good wins, yeah. But the same thing for Zhang. You beat Joyce and then you beat Joseph Parker. Very good wins to put on your resume. Like that's, those are great wins to have. So I'm, I'm excited for this fight. I think. Parker is a very good opponent. He's solid. He's he's sturdy. He knows his boxing. He's quite nimble, but he can he can still punch and he's a bit tough. But Zhile Zhang has also got that great combination punching. Got power behind it. Um, he's got good composure. I saw that in the Joe Joyce fight. But the problem he will find here is Joe Parker's not like Joe Joyce. His head's not going to always be there to be hit all the time. He's not going to be slow. He's not going to be coming forward. Um, just taking punches to try land his own. He's got a problem. He's got a real problem to deal with. And for me, I think you'd have to say that Joe Parker's the favourite probably going into this fight. Um, even though I thought his performance against Wilder was a bit basic, I still think it's enough for me to see him beat a guy like Zhang, especially when you know that Zhang has issues with uh, his stamina. And I don't think Joseph Parker could probably stop him, but I think Joseph Parker can definitely take advantage of that after the first six rounds. Like he can definitely still keep working and still beat him. So I mean, this is a very intriguing fight, and I, I can't wait for it. But 
What are your thoughts on Zhang Parker getting made? Yeah, currently I'm predicting Parker on points. I feel like he should have uh, he should he should have a performance akin to the one I thought he would have, he would have had against um, Joe Joyce. Um, I think him against Joyce. I think Parker had a wrong game plan personally. Um, and yeah, I think Parker is the fa- for me. Parker is the favorite in this fight. I, I think I see him taking on points, especially in the later rounds, because we have seen Zhang slow down, especially when Zhang is in a tough fight. He slows down um, quite quickly. So he's he's one of the, he's one of, he's one of the older side of the heavyweights, um, and you and you can see that. So, and Joyce is is is, is one of the. the, the the younger ones for what he's accomplished already in the sport, even of the younger ones. So, you know, if he if we can see glimpse of Prime Parker in this fight, I'd see no reason why he can't make it on points. Um he if he, could, if, if he moves how I how I think he can move, you know, um and I don't see Zhang is not the kind of fighter that walks through your punches like Joyce does. That was a big problem Parker had in that fight as well. Like Joe Joyce just didn't respect Parker's power. And, you know, at that time, he really believed believed in his chin. Um, and, you know, he was able to just walk through Parker's offense and just tee off on Parker. I don't see that kind of fight with Zhang. I do think Zhang will have some success, but if Joe Joyce can weather some early storms, because I think Zhang will look really good at the first uh, four to six rounds, potentially. Or not even six, maybe like the first four rounds, Zhang will look really good. So... If Joyce can weather the storm, Zhang will fade. And whatever Andy Lee and Parker come up with, I think, you know, they should have that in mind. That you're, you're, you're going against a fighter who is notoriously known for fading. They don't have to wait till round seven. He starts to fade in like round four to six. Um, just look at just look at Zhang versus um, Jerry, Jerry Forrest. Is that his name? Yeah, Jerry Forrest. So, yeah. a, a fighter he should have easily stopped, but he's engine let him down that day um so i think that's a good fact it's a good reference for them uh, also a good reference would be the um zhang and um Hagovic fight that's a good reference zhang is so schooled man he's actually a really good fighter you know i watched that Hagovic fight the other day as well and some of the things that he did that he did some really good things in that fight like honestly um so there is a threat there 100 this is a live dog you're fighting it's just that I don't think Zhang is in his physical prime. So Parker should be able to capitalize on that. Yeah, I perfectly agree. I mean, like, um, with the Hergovic as well, I think Hergovic is a solid fighter in terms of he can take a punch. Um, he can definitely keep his composure in there. But I, and I do, I think I do see uh, Parker, for some reason, I can see him getting dropped. I think, like, just because Zhang's combinations are very good and very fast. And I think he's got one of the fastest hands. Um, in the uh, in some of the fastest hands in the division, not the fastest, but some of the fastest hands. I but, completely agree, and I think that's the that's what gave Hergovic problems. Yeah, yeah, and I, I can see that catching Parker and just dropping him, maybe not through you know losing his you know getting completely unconscious, but like losing his footing and getting caught off balance and just getting dropped from it. But like we said, we saw him slowing down in a lot of his fights, and in the Joyce, uh, both Joyce fights, they didn't go longer than six rounds. The first fight was stopped in the sixth, and the second fight was stopped in the third. It's not enough to tell and us. You actually Joyce. 
Nah. He actually that second fight was worse than the first one. It's it's the, it was the worst time for it to happen because Joyce could have been in on all this Saudi heavyweight. Yeah, he must be vexed, boy. Yeah, and now he's fighting in Birmingham against Cash Ali. So he fell off. He boxing is mad, you know. One, two L's, you're out of here. Yeah, you got two L's. You're fighting. You're fighting, uh, boy. You're fighting in Birmingham Centre, like, bro. He's actually mad, like chopping the L in boxing. You're back to back to the O2 when you were doing yep. Wembley and that. It's crazy. Same thing with the Joshua. So, um. But yeah, he, he slowed down in those fights. And I feel like we'll see Parker eventually build up a lead in those later rounds. And I, I don't think he can, um, he can slow, he can like, you know, I don't think, um, what's the name? That, that, I don't Jang know, has that second I don't know how well Parker recovers though, man. I think that's sus. His recovery pals are sus to me. I don't know. I, I don't like, know. He's only been stopped once in his career. So I can't mm-hmm. really say like, oh, his, everything's sus, but... Mm-hmm. What I can do is that um, you can say that he does get caught quite a bit. He's not as elusive as you think he is. No, no, he's not. He's not. He's no defensive fighter. Let me try something on this. Uh, Let me share my screen and then see how it works. Does it work? Can we see? Yeah, that's sick. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we've got got Joseph Parker's box rec. And we see that he's already been stopped once in his career. Obviously, yeah. that was against uh, Joe Joyce, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So now, but if, if you look at actually, what I want to see is like, let's look at his actual career, like the names mm-hmm. that he has on his career. Mm-hmm. Like, if, if we go down, we, we start from the bottom. We go up. Franz Botha. Uh, if you don't know this, he's Botha's from the old heavyweights. That doesn't really count as a name because this is when mm-hmm. Botha's like really old. So mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you come up and he's he's racks up his wins, and you mm-hmm. see he won, you know, almost everything that you could possible. That you can win when you're in Australia because not everything's you know available to you like the British title. Of course, like, you have to win it from your end. And then he beats Carlos Takam, which I don't mm-hmm. think a lot of people talk about the fact that he also beat Takam. Um, mm-hmm. When did he fight Ruiz? Was that before Takam or after? Okay, Ruiz. Uh, after, so there is, and then he beats Dimitranko, and then he beats Ruiz for the vacant WBO title, mm-hmm. and then he beats Huey Fury, yeah. which a lot of people thought Huey Fury won. So, but still, then obviously he loses. He loses his to AJ. And then he loses to, to Dylan White, which I was very shocked. A fight which he could have won. One more yeah. round, he could have won that fight. And then uh, he beats Derek Chisora twice. And the second time, he really flogs him. Mm-hmm. Junior Far, I don't care. Junior Far is not a proper name. Loses to Joe Joyce, but then builds himself back. Beats Simon Keane, beats Deontay Wilder. And now he's fighting Jilei Zhang. And this That's period here is a crazy period. That is one, two, three, four, five fights in around a year and a bit. That is mm-hmm. crazy. You gotta give you gotta give this man credit, man. He he he's he's holding up. He's doing a lot of work in the heavyweight division. He's really getting at it. So give him his credit. Agreed. Yeah. Because my computer's about to explode. <laughs> so <laughs> let's not before I, before I blow up on screen. Let's not mm-hmm. see that. But yeah, we gotta give Joey Joyce his credit because um, like that was that that is an insane run to have on your um record to 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 beat Zhang to beat Wilder like a lot of people are going to start looking at you differently especially if you beat Zhang especially if you beat Zhang and I think he will do I think so too agreed and big up the Saudis for making that because I really like that fight I think that fight is really good mm-hmm. 
100%. Chris says this is the most intriguing fight of the heavyweight division at the moment. Yep. Parker's knocked out by Joyce, but then Zhang knocked out Joyce twice. And then so Parker's much better though since Joyce knocked him out. So can Park and Andy Lee come up with the perfect game plan for Zhang? Yeah. I, I I've never believed triangle theories work in boxing where like, oh, if I beat fighter A and mm -hmm. fighter A beats fighter B, then that means I can also be fight. No. We all have to fight each other and find out. That's the one thing about boxing I hate when people do is when they proxy try to wins. proxy wins. Yeah, I hate proxy yeah. wins. Just fight them and see what happens. And and that's what we're getting here. Parker's fighting guys that everyone. He's fighting everyone. You can't deny. He's fought AJ. He's fight. He's fought Wilder. He's fought White. He's fought Andy Ruiz. He's fought John Wilder. Now he's fighting. Champions can't even say that. Tyson Fury can't say that. Yep. So and Ooh. and Andy trainer he yeah. will come up with a good game plan to neutralize the combination punching of uh Zhang. chris also agrees with us he thinks uh i uh parker is also favorite and he says yeah it's true we saw Zhang slow down in the second half of the fight against hergovich which i believe because he slowed down is what let hergovich build up that lead and then win 100 percent. if he was just had a bit of a better range he would have won that fight yep <laughs> Joyce needs to be aware of Cash Ali's nibbles. If you remember, Cash Ali fought David Price. I think it was on a matchroom card. Yeah, he kept biting him or something, right? And he bit him and he got disqualified for biting him. So. Oh, and he's allowed to fight again? What a weirdo. I mean, that was a long time ago. But yeah, I mean, boxing is boxing. You've got drug cheats that are allowed to fight again. So. Sure. One year ago, Parker was underwhelming against Cruiserweight Massey. And then one year later, he has his masterclass against Wilder. Yeah. So if you don't remember, Parker was with Boxer. Um, so when he signed to fight uh, Joe Joyce, it was a boxer and Queensbury promotions. It was on Queensbury promotions, but he was a boxer fighter. Then he came back to box and fought on, I think it was the Eubank Smith undercard. Yeah. And then the first fight. And then that fight was against the cruiserweight in uh, Jack Massey. And everyone was looking at him going, yo, you just came off the loss to, you got battered by Joyce. And then, you lose to the you 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 beat this guy in Jack Massey, but you look really crappy against him. A lot of people didn't think he was going to do uh, go far after this, and and then look at that. Four fights later, look where he's at now. He's one fight off a title shot, and he's one fight off of being one of the best fighters uh, of this heavyweight generation. You have to give him his credit because he's been fighting everyone. You're muted. Percent, hundred percent. Yeah, because that's what yes. we want. He's doing what we want. Yeah, he's doing what we want from everyone else. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. it was a Smith versus Eubank first fight card that he was on. And then since then, he hasn't gone back to boxer. so fair enough. <laughs> and then, man, they're in a lot of trouble. So, we'll, But we'll talk about that later when we can in terms of what boxers are up to because it's still developing. I don't want to get into it um, as uh, now and, and get ourselves into trouble. Um, just... Other fights on the Joshua Ngannou card. I'm really surprised with this one. Ray Vargas versus Nick Ball for the WBC World Featherweight Championship. So if you didn't know, I'll give you the backstory quickly. I'm going to rant a bit, so just hold on, bear with me. Ray Vargas was the WBC Featherweight Champion. Uh, the WBC let him go up to 130 last year or the year before. I'll just check quickly. To fight Oshaki Foster for his vacant WBC belt. He lost that fight, so he obviously came back down because he lost, so he came back down. Yeah, yeah, it was last year in February. So he lost that fight, and then he came back down. 
And since then, um, Brandon Figueroa came up from super bantamweight, beat Mark, Mark McSire for the interim title. And it was meant to be Vargas versus Figueroa for, to unify the belts. By unify, meaning the interim and the full title. PBC doing what PBC thinks. You've got two BBC fighters, and what they do typically, don't announce when these lot are going to fight. They say they're going to fight next, but they don't announce the date, the event, when or where. So you're just waiting in limbo until these lot agree to fight. So Nick Ball, in the meantime, in 2023, just beating up everyone that he can, he can and building his WBC ranking till he's the number one. He beat uh, his last fight, uh, Isaac Dogbay, you know, on the uh, Denzel Bentley versus Heaney undercard. And yeah, he was next for the WBC title. But everyone knew it was going to take him quite a while because PBC, in the way they are, they're going to announce this fight however long it takes. Then the win is going to take a year after. So Nick Ball had, would have to wait so long for his title shot. What I'm assuming must have happened is when all this stuff was being done, Frank Warren probably said, gave a word to the Saudis and said, look, I want Nick Ball to have a world title shot. Can you offer Ray Vargas certain money so we can pull him away and we can put this WC title shot? And fair enough to Ray Vargas, got the money and now we've got this fight on... Uh, on the Joshua Ngannou undercard. And it's a really good fight. Like Nick Ball is someone people need to know about. Like he's a really good... Um, Very exciting fighter. Yeah, well, he's a short little tank. Like the, the guy is a tank. Uh, let me show just quickly. Before, again, let me just let my uh, computer explode again. Nick Ball, look, 19-0, 11 knockouts. If you look at the guys he's been beating, Isaac Dogbay... Um, Lamati and Lamati was unfortunately got taken to hospital. He beat Rubio, he beat Kakalo, and he beat also Isaac Lowe and knocked him out on the Fury right undercard. So he's built himself as this little tank to this world title shot. And I'm happy for him because he, he deserves his world title shot. But Ray Vargas, he's a real tough one of the Mexicans that's really tough. Look at that record 36 and 1, 22 knockouts. Really tough opponent. He's been beating everyone that he's that he he can going up the weights. You see, he was a super bantamweight champion, and then he came up to um, featherweight, and then came and then tried to go for super featherweight. Obviously, he didn't get that, but he's a two division champion. You know, he is a real tough opponent to take on, especially for Nick Ball. And um, it's going to be a really good fight. It's going to test for Nick Ball uh, whether or not he is. A world champion level it's one of those fights like if you're really you a world champion, behind him man yeah yeah and even chris him. even chris Walsh says ball be up a very good fight in dog but yeah dog is a great goal, uh gatekeeper for the world level and and nick ball really did beat him up yeah like like chris said he's a gatekeeper for the world title shots and nick ball really did beat him up and really did well in that fight so i'm excited for this one because um it's a good fight. It will be a good fight. And it'll be entertaining. These two are going to go at each other. And it's on a good card as well. You know, Joshua Ngannou is going to be a big platform. So they're going to get a lot of more eyes on them. So I'm excited for that. So um, anything else on that? I mean, Roman Fury, Hugh Fury's cousin. So there's that. And then there's also uh, Mark Chamberlain versus Gavin Green. That's a good lightweight fight for British level fight. So that's that's a decent fight that they put on. Also, Justice Hooney. So uh, Matchroom's heavyweight prospect he's on it uh, from australia and then saudi's own which i'm glad they're doing because i want one thing to happen in this saudi thing is i want saudis to also big up their own not big up but like give their own 
fight as a platform. So then the boxing in their space can actually thrive more with their own fighters. So they've got Ziad Al Mayuf, which is one of their one of their fighters who went to the Olympics uh, on that card as well. So that's gonna be it's gonna be a good card to watch in general. I, I'd give it like a seven a seven out of ten. Seven good card. Great, yeah. I mean, uh, card was way better, but yeah, this is good. Yeah, but that's that's because we had so many names on it. Here we have good names on it, but I, I don't think you can spend as much money consistently <laughs> with yeah. this. Uh, but it's a good card, and it's a, it, it's a decent card to have. So speaking of other cards, so obviously Fury Usyk, we were waiting for the undercard. We didn't know what we were going to get. Then out of nowhere, they announced the undercard. So the first fight that they announced for it was Opataya versus Breedis. What a fight. That, uh, sorry, it's not just Opataya versus Breedis, it's Opataya versus Breedis 2. I was going to say, isn't that fight already? Yeah, so yeah. so that was Opataya's coming out fight to the world, where, not coming out like that, pause, but where he announced himself to the world scene that he's a world champion level. He suffered, you know, the broken jaw in two places and still managed to beat Myris Breedis to become IBF world champion. The stupid thing is, we were talking about this earlier on the Day of Reckoning preview where he had to give up his IBF title because they didn't want him fighting um, Elis Zorro. Well, now look, he gave it up and yet two months later he's fighting for it again. So what kind of stupid nonsense is that? Um, but it's a great fight, especially on the Fury Usyk undercard. That's a great fight to put on because them two are really going to go at it. I'd, the one thing I do have an issue with in terms of not the fight, but just the issue with the fight itself is this is Breedis' first fight since losing to Opataya almost over a, a year and a half ago. So he's coming into this fight almost two years yeah. of no in, of inactivity. You have to give it to Opataya, who's fought the last two in the in the last year, had two fights, and he's looked great. He's gonna come in with all the confidence, all the activity, everything going the age as well, because Breedis is 39, everything going his side. I would have um, loved to have a, a proper proper breeders in this fight man because i think yeah. right breeders beats up a tire but yeah i think he's a he's a great fighter breeders but the problem with him is i don't know who's his his managers Callis, his manager sourland you know the guy that um looks like he's always sniffing something every event um he does the misfits also um what kind of management is that way you let your fighter not fight for over a year and a half almost two years and then and then you negotiate this fight for him as his first fight back. It's just dumb. He's 39. He, he, he should be fighting more just to see if he's ready for it or not. You don't want this fight to be the one where you're testing out your timing and everything. So it's it's it's, it's the it's not a great move. But the fight itself I'm happy with. And I'm happy that's on the Fury. Like I said, I'm happy it's on the Fury Music Undercard because it will get a lot of uh, exposure on it. And Apataya is someone that the Saudis are really behind. They've really got behind him. They want him to be one of their star guys. So that's that, that's good because he delivers. You see, he's been delivering, and we'll see again if he delivers. What do you think about Opatai and Breedis? Yeah, um, like like you said, I'm a little bit bummed out that we're not probably we're probably not going to get the best version of Breedis in this fight. Just uh, we've seen how you know inactivity can. Damp, damping the quality of a fight, you know, Wilder versus Parker. We should have seen a better Wilder in that fight. But he had, we all said, you know, okay, cool. He knocked out, um, what's, what's that guy's name? Um, the guy he fought before Parker. The one that AJ fought as well. Uh, Hellenius. Hellenius. He knocked Hellenius out in a round. 
But we all said we didn't we didn't know what he was as a fighter, and then he took another year to fight again. You know, I just I just knew that we want the the, the version of Vado we were gonna get in that fight would probably not be the best version that we could get. And it's just the same story here. Like a year later, you're fighting the guy that just that just beat you. Like no, yeah, he beat you a year ago. It's not like sometimes you know you lose to a fight, you go into an immediate rematch. A couple of months out of line. It's not even that. It's a year. It's a year and a half. So I have to favor Apatai in this fight. He's building the momentum. He's the younger fighter. He's knocking people out. You know, he's 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 around. You know, I've, I heard he was part of the um, uh, Fury camp for Usyk. You know, yeah. He's a, he's he's putting himself around some serious people. So I have to, you know, I have to give him the edge in this fight. Also, even before the first Apatai fight. The seriousness and breeze as a fighter has is very low because he was chasing that Jake Paul fight for time. No serious fighter champion is chasing. I know the money is there, but come on, a fighter of integrity, he's not chasing Jake Paul for a fight. So I don't know how seriously I can take Breeders in this fight in the second fight. Um, but like I said, I would have loved to see. I would love to see a, a un unformed Breeders take on a Pattaya. I think that's when we have a real fight. But I just don't know where Breeders is at, so I have to favor Pattaya in this fight. I think he might even stop him. Yeah, that is very possible. And the fight's happening in was it where well, February seventeenth is I think a month from now? Just 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 under a month from now. I'm I was surprised they announced it on like I think it was like five weeks notice because um it's a very good fight, but it's very short notice to announce it on, but um still it, it's a great fight to put on. And the other fights they put on was uh Joe Cordina. So he's returning on that card against Anthony Kachet. Um, So he's putting his IBF title on the line. Uh, good domestic level fight between the two. At the I think Joe Cordina should be winning that fight handedly if he doesn't fight stupidly. You know he should be fighting normally. Um, also Sergey Kovalev is on the fight against Silwan. I don't know who that person is, but Kovalev is on that fight. For some reason, I can imagine if Kovalev looks good. They might do an Opatai versus Kovalev fight because Kovalev's fighting at Cruiserweight now. So they might just do that just for the name of it and to get Opatai another fight um, the way he looks good and he, he knocks out another big name. But the, the, the main ones that I want to look at is the two names on it is uh, Moses Itauma and uh, Bakhode Jalolov or Jolov as you love, you, you love like calling him. So... My guy Jolof. Yeah, he's not in the group chat. Love calling him Jolof. Um, <laughs> but them two, I think it's very poignant that they're on that card because you've got Fury Usyk, which is the determination of who the best heavyweight of this era is. Then you've got Itauma and Jolof, who, because they're on the undercard, they're the next era's heavyweights. Like as soon as as soon as the these Paris Olympics are done. Jalalov will accelerate his career towards a world title. He's just waiting right now, um, fighting whoever, like not any good names, because he's just waiting to go back to pa go to Paris, win his second Olympic gold medal, and then he'll go for a world title. And he's 29, so he feels like he's got all the time in the world. And Otama's very young. I mean, he's 18, 19. He's got all the time ahead of him to develop. But these two are the next two guys. I feel like it will be Jalalov first being the next number one heavyweight and then it will be Itauma 
I don't know if he'll be the number one, but he's got very a lot of potential, and it's one of them ones you have to keep looking at him, seeing how he develops because he's a really good fighter. So it's very poignant to have them two on there because big platform of heavyweights, but again, kind of a passing of the torch symbolic player. Like, uh, these two are the ones that are going to be next for the heavyweights, and they're going to be the ones next up, and 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 the ones that are going to be the uh, kings of the heavyweight division. So I'm glad that they put them two on the on that card and. For Jalalov is good because he's Muslim, so the Saudis are really going to invest in him because he's from Uzbek, so it's harder to promote those type of fighters. Like we've seen with Better Beer, you know, in Russia and everything, and Bivol, it's harder to promote those type of fighters. But if you get the Saudis backing him, he'll be in a big, he'll be in a lot of big fights in the future. So, getting great to see uh, those two on the card. What are you expecting from those two? Yeah, it's like you said. Like it's good to see. Um some of the fresher prospects share the same card as the uh, the top heavyweights now as kind of they are reaching the end of their careers now. So the Tyson Fury, that era is reaching its tail end now. So it's good to see how um, the guys coming up are going to start mixing up now because, you know, I'm really intrigued in the next heavyweight story. We've had a, a roller coaster, you know, for, for this generation. So the next one's coming up. Um, it's good to see that they're already mixing it up um quite early so um yeah i think fans that want to see you know start investing early because these are names that we're gonna are probably gonna be around for you know next what, five years we'll start seeing these names in like really big fights um if you guys want to start putting st uh, getting in early stocks definitely tune in for this fight keep an eye on these fires especially my man my main man Jadoff. so um yeah man i can't wait it's definitely Definitely a good one. Yeah. So again, two great cards to 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 kick off uh the spring of twenty twenty four. And um it, it does I, I feel I do have this feeling that we're gonna get a better year than we did in uh uh than we did in um twenty twenty three. But it is dependent on the Americans. But again, great two cards, great two fights to put on and, and when the heavyweights are fighting it's more significant for the sport because they are the glamour division and a lot of people take more notice when them lot are fighting. So I'm happy that they are fighting. But that wasn't the only thing that was announced in that press conference. That press conference was a roller coaster of emotions for a boxing fan. So uh, Turkey Al-Sheikh said he wants to see Matchroom versus Queensbury, Frank Warren versus Eddie Hearn. He wants to see a 5v5. Not in one go. We're not. This is not WWE. We're not doing you know no handicap triple threat type match. It's five fighters versus five fighters. Five weight classes. They're going to choose. They're going to pick one fighter for each, and we get five fights. A fight card uh, built off of that. And they actually they agreed to it on stage. They shook hands straight away. Eddie Hearn, which is the thumbnail. If you see um, on our, uh, if you're watching from YouTube, that was the thumbnail of, our, of the pod. But they also sat down and they actually drafted an agreement for it. That they're eventually going to announce it on the Joshua Ngannou fight week, what the fight card will be, who's on it, and also um, where, when and where it's going to be. But they said it's going to be around the summertime. I think this is a historic moment for the sport because we rarely see cross-promotional fights like this where you have five matchroom fighters taking on five Queensbury fighters for that, own, for that purpose of doing promotions fighting each other. But the money talks. 
And these men are doing it now. They the, the Saudis want to see it. So Frank and Eddie are delivering. And the prospect of it is fun because we've always wanted to see this, even before the Saudis were involved. A lot of fans wanted to see cross-promotional fighters. You wanted to see Golden Boy fighters take on top-ranked fighters. You want to see PBC fighters take on top-ranked fighters. You want to see PBC fighters take on Golden Boy fighters. You want to see PBC fighters take on matchroom fighters and so on and so forth. So this is a good step in the right direction. And I'm glad we get to see it. So what... What I'm what I'm gonna do first is I'm gonna ask you, Dapper, what are your thoughts on this historic thing, and then we'll move on to the next segment of this part. Love the idea. Um, it's almost like you know, like fantasy fantasy football, or like you know, like those fancy like draft picks stuff like that. Yeah, I, I, I love the idea. I only have one gripe, and my only one gripe is um, Queensbury and Matchroom are both. Like those are the both those are the two main UK promotions, right? I wish this would have been happening in the UK. I hate the fact that the Saudis has to get involved for something like this to happen because this idea has been floating around for years. So I wish this would have happened in like in the UK somewhere, but that's my only gripe. But apart from that, yeah, this is this is this is great. I really do hope that we get quality fighters from both sides. I don't know if anything's been announced yet about who's fighting on what side or what weight class, whatever, nothing's been announced yet, but I really do hope that the fights that do get announced are actual intriguing fights. I, I don't want any mismatches, you know, um, and I guess it's a bit less likely to happen because both guys won't want to lose. Like, there's actual competition between the promoters themselves. So, um, yeah, this, this should be good, man. If it's, if done properly, this could be historic. I just wish that the Saudis didn't have to get involved for something like this to happen because as soon as it was mentioned, it happened immediately. You know, why can't we get yeah. stuff like that in the UK? So, yeah. Yeah, that's one of the things. Is they're, they're, all gonna, they're mostly going to be, these are fights that, a lot of these fights we want to see in the UK, and you have to think about the live element of everything. But, we'll, you know, we'll talk about that when we discuss the, when we do the Fury Usyk uh, preview, which will be in two or three weeks from now. We'll discuss that in more detail because we've also got Sate coming on then. He, he wants to give his thoughts as well on the uh, product and how the product is changing in boxing. But yeah, you're right. It, it's 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 something that the UK fans have always wanted, and, and at least we're getting it. That's the main thing. At least we're getting it. So 100%. what we're going to do now is we're gonna we're gonna go through some fights that we want to see from Matchroom in Queensbury. Now, obviously, there are the bait ones, and we're not going to really go for them for like so like, um, and AJ Fury. That's you know that's, that's very bait, and but that's uh, not, we're, 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 one as well. No, but but. but no, Sorry, yeah, he's talking. So he's not going to work with it. So I think the main fight, and I, I said this before the before we started rolling, um, the main fight that I think should headline this would be Anthony Yard, Queensbury versus Callum Smith Matchroom. I think that's a very good fight to make. They've both uh, went in there with Bet uh, Beterbiev. They lost to Beterbiev, but Beterbiev is is who he is. Um, they're still world level fighters, and I think that's a very very good competitive fight to watch. I think that's fun. What do you think about that matchup? <laughs> Yeah, um, I can't think of a bigger uh, outside of the, the the ones you just obviously named that will probably will not get on a card like this. I can't think of a I can't think of a more quality fight from both promotions. I can't. I, I really can't think of one. But yeah, hundred percent. That's a that's a that's a that's a really you know big domestic dust up. If only Bawati was still part of Matchroom, we could have seen. Potentially seen that as well, Boatzi and, and and Yard on on that five v five, but um he's not with Matchroom anymore, 
So yeah, I think Callum Smith versus I would favor Yard in that fight, but yeah, I think that would be a, a, a massive. Um, depending on how the, obviously how the, how the card is built on top of that as the as one of the main fights, yeah, that would be a big one. That'd be sick. Yeah, and the interesting thing is, I think um, obviously Yard wanted uh, Boatsy after the Boatsy Aziz. I feel like he will get he will take on actually Smith if the Saudis offer it. He'll probably take on Smith and tell Boatsy, "Cool, I like look these men are offering the money." Why wouldn't I fight someone like Callum Smith for all this money? Like it, it just makes sense. Um, but another fight I, th- I think they should also look at is probably who's who's some. I've, I had a lot of fights on my head, and now I've just completely blanked on uh, who that they should fight. Oh no, another one could be. Um, so obviously, uh, Matchroom have Raymond Ford. Who's a featherweight fighter? He's fighting Komatov for the t- title. Nick Ball's fighting Ray Vargas on the Joshua Ngannou card. If both of them win or lose their fights, we could see a potential unification between the two, or not a unification. But I'd love to see that because I think that fight will be great. Ray- Raymond Ford, great slick boxer. Um, Nick Ball, really tough tank, and they're both featherweights. So that would be great to watch. Um, who do Queensbury have that I'm thinking of? I'm thinking of Joe Cordino. Who could you match up Joe Cordino with? I feel like you could match up. Match up. You could do a lot of matchups. You could do... Um, what's his name? Uh, Nathaniel Collins versus Hopi Price. So that's a British featherweights. You could do that because that would be really good. You could do Liam Davis versus Shabazz Masood. If there's anything that I'm missing, any fights that I'm missing, you lot could put it in the comments and we'll shout them out because I'm drawing a blank but i'm trying to think of potential queensbury versus matchroom fights that 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 could happen dennis mccann is a queensbury fighter he, he's a young young prospect i feel like if he takes on any matchroom prospect that would be a great fight to watch andy cruz that's it i want to see andy cruz against someone from queensbury andy cruz is a really good opponent and i feel like that type of card would benefit him because he'd really show out especially against a queensbury fighter whoever they got uh lightweight whether it's sam noakes whether it's chamberlain whoever it is I feel like he could beat those guys. So there's loads of names I think on there, um, but the main thing I want is yeah, Callum Smith versus Anthony Yard. I, I think you can't go wrong with that. It will sell because Callum's got his Liverpool fan base, Anthony's got his London fan base, so they both will go at each other, um, and it'll both make a great fight for us to watch. Any any fights that you're particularly thinking about seeing other than that? You're muted. Yeah, I'm trying to think about heavyweights. Um, obviously, after the debate, guys like AJ and Fury, who... I know. You know Johnny Fisher? Yeah. Moses Palmer. Yeah. That would be good. Because I, I think Itama would, would cook him. Mm-hmm. I think in time we'll cook fish. I don't, I don't really, but fish has got power, so it would make it fun. Mm. That's a really mm. good fight. Or, or, or if you wanted to do something like, because you're going to do it this year, so I don't think they'll put a time that deep. You could do Adelaide versus Fisher. Yeah, yeah. That is good fight. Well. Yeah, so you could do David Adelaide versus Fisher. You could also do um, Hamza Shiraz versus one of Matrim's middleweights, like uh, Felix Cash. 
Yeah. That's a good fight, especially if Hamza Shiraz comes through um, Liam Williams in February. Put him against Felix Cash, perfect sort of step up and then world title for him next. But yeah, that 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 that's a good fight. And again, Hamza Shiraz is a big um big name. You've got to be fair, you've got Gilles Zhang, who's Queensbury, and Dubois, mm-hmm. who's Queensbury. So you could look look at them um, against matching fighters like AJ, for example, or uh yeah, that, that's it. I don't need AJ. <laughs> There's no one else I don't know. Hugovich. No, yeah, yeah, you could do that. You could do, you could do Dubois versus Hergovic. Yeah, I doubt that. There'd be the only, only reason I doubt that is because of the fact that Hergovic is literally one fight from the other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ranked. Yes. Oh, I'm being stupid. Just uh, remember, Maurizio Lara versus Nick Ball. That's a sick fight. That is just tanks against tanks. That's a great fight. That is a great fight. If if Lara can still make um, featherweight, you could literally make Nick Ball versus uh, Mitchell Lara. Mm. That would be a great fight. Or you could do Josh Warrington against uh, Nick Ball. Mm. That would also be good because they're both featherweight. Lost, well. but yeah, yeah. There's loads of fights that they could do. Another one I'm thinking of is super middleweights: Diego Pacheco versus Zach Parker. Because Pacheco is yeah. a good matchroom USA name, good prospect coming up there. I think he'd really cook. Uh, Jack uh, Zach Parker. So, mm. look, there are loads of fights on that five v five that you could make, and we'll see what weight classes they choose, um, and what fighters they choose. I hope they deliver. I hope they don't put any like because what these promoters could do is they might be risk averse and not put in their decent fighters in there because they don't want them to lose. You know what I mean? Like they say, look, we're not going to put you know Anthony Yard in there with Callum Smith because we don't want Callum Smith losing. We don't want Anthony Yard losing because they're our ticket sellers. We don't want to put. Nick Ball in there because he's our ticket sellers, for example. I want them to put them in there, have a go, see what they do. So that that would be fun to see. And I'm I'm glad that this is happening. But we'll see when, when Joshua and Ghanu fight card comes up, fight week comes around, what they've got cooking for us. Yeah, we'll see. It's, it's blazing in Saudi right now. Yep. And speaking of firefights, we've got next week uh, on the 27th, Jaime Munguia takes on John Ryder, which I think is a very good fight. Like, in terms of entertainment, you're going to get peak entertainment here. Jaime Munguia, obviously, former WBO uh, light middleweight champion, um, undefeated, kid prodigy. Everyone knew him. Like, everyone thought he was the next Canelo when it came to his story and how he was. Um, <coughs> John Ryder coming off the loss to uh, Canelo, but giving him a hell of a good fight in that fight. Really taking it to Canelo. Not competitive, not uh, he didn't win, but he made it competitive, he made it fairly competitive in the later rounds. Uh, tough fighter, and then Jaime Munguia's last fight against Sergei Darianchenko was probably a fight of the year contender where he could have lost that, he could have very well lost that. It was very close and a very good fight. And I think their styles mash up well, where you're gonna get another good fight of the year contender. And I'm not so sure that Munguia wins this fight, um, other than. Uh, scorecards being cooked because Derevinchenko is a very good opponent. He, he we saw what he did against Triple G. He, he made Triple G look human. He really took it to Triple G, but he hasn't really had great days like that since uh, Derevinchenko. And um, what's his name? Uh, Mungia really struggled with Derevinchenko. He really struggled like. 
it was a tough fight for him to win. And Derinchenko, mind you, was coming off a year's like uh, a year inactivity, and he was also coming off of uh, three back-to-back losses to Glovkin, Charlo, and then Adames. So it wasn't like he 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 was in the form of his life or anything like that. So I think Mungi is going to really struggle in this fight against John Ryder. So John Ryder is a tricky, tough opponent who who can mix it up well, and he's very he's very rugged and tough. It's going to be hard to fight on the inside with him and fight fight him basically. Uh, we might see an upset here. We could very well see an upset, but if we don't then what's on the line for Mungia is the rumour is that if Mungia can win this fight and he doesn't take too much damage, then they'll do a May Cinco de Mayo fight between him and Canelo, which makes a bit of sense. Obviously, you want Canelo versus Benavides, but this one, I get why they're doing it in terms of it's an easier fight for Canelo. And it's also Cinco de Mayo, so you do Mexican versus Mexican, and that sells. But what are your thoughts on uh, Mungia versus Ryder? Yeah, I echo a lot of your thoughts. One thing... Um, that I look at when I look at this fight is um, Munguia versus Rosado yeah. and seeing how he struggled with Rosado doesn't fill me with confidence um, at that point Rosado was completely washed but he had a tough night's work in that, in that fight and Bryder is a tougher fighter than Rosado is currently in. Um, so I look at how he struggled in that fight I can see Ryder posing to, Certain problems for Mingia, man, especially when it comes to fighting on the inside, you know, and, and stuff like that. And, 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 you know, Ryder can make it a very rough fight for him. I think, I think Mungia liked, he likes, there's a certain type of pace he likes to fight. And if you make him feel uncomfortable, then he will, you will expose holes in his game. And I feel like that could be potentially the kind of fight we have on our hands. It's, it's, a, it's a tough fight for him. This is a potential banana, banana skin for him, and he might lose his fight. Yeah, and so, but it's a good fight. Like in terms of um, firefights, it's going to be really good back and forth fight because both of them don't know how to fight either way. They they know just how to come forward and really give it, stick it to the other. And I agree with Chris where we could probably see Ryder get robbed, uh, like he wins the fight, but because it's you know Mungia is the main guy, at, at Golden Boy, and they want him to have the big fights that. We could see him get robbed. But he says, let's not talk about robberies. We've had enough of them. I think he's talking about last night's um, uh, Natasha Jonas's and Michaela Mayer fight, which uh, I'm not going to get into because I wasn't bothered to watch that boxer card. It was not good at all. Um, but Mungi is weird, man. Like when he, when he was coming up and he beat Saddam Ali to become world champion, the guy was 21. And then he beat uh, Liam Smith, and he, and he and he flogged Liam Smith. He put him to the ground, and then he he completely flogged him. But since then, it was like since Liam Smith. So Liam Smith was in 2018. Smith since Liam Smith, he, he really didn't do anything after winning that. So he won the light middleweight title, and then he hasn't done anything since. And it's weird because he was 20, like deep. He's it, that he's 27 now. When he fought Liam Smith was in 2018. So that's what six years ago. So he's 21 when he when he stopped when he beat up not stopped sorry when he beat up Liam Smith like that guy had potential to do something in his career and he just didn't he he was meant to have a fight with Charlo that didn't happen he fought a couple bums in 2022 no one was interested in, and I, I just feel like the interest in his career has just gone just just flatlined because no one wants to see no one cares if you don't fight the top guys like he's just 
that he's just not. No one cares, and I feel like this uh, the Canelo fight. He's just probably gonna cash out if he does fight Canelo. Chris says Mungia's resume is not great. Only one of note is Liam Smith, and Mungia arguably should have lost his last fight. Yeah, yeah, you're right. He, he since Liam's you're muted. Oh, there you are. Um, since yeah, I agree. Yeah, since Liam Smith, it's like it's like a bit similar to Tank, except Tank's still done certain things. After Tank beat Pedraza, he hadn't stepped the level up from Pedraza. The same thing with Mungia. He beat a good fighter, good world champion in Liam Smith. And he didn't step the level up since. And he's even been worse than Tank because he's been fighting real bums. He's been fighting real bums. And he hadn't done anything in his career. He's been having tough fights. So we have to see. If he if he proper cleans out Ryder, I then have to give him his credit. Like, fair enough. Like, to, to clean out a guy like Ryder and to stop him and do what Canelo couldn't do is a good win to have. But I'm just not sold on him. I'm not sure that he can become a world champion again. I think that that door has kind of closed on him. Maybe uh, the only way it opens is if he gets fortunate and gets a rubbish vacant title fight. But other than that, I just I can't see him beating Benavidez. I can't see him beating a Morel. I can't I can't even see him being a Caleb Plant. I'll be honest. Agreed. Just I just I just don't I just don't see a lot of him. So, but good fight to watch. This will be a great fight. It's it's got that guarantee of it will be a great fight to watch. So. If you are tuning in for that, you're in for a good fight, but, or at least catch the uh, highlights for it because it's a great watch to watch. Uh, Liam Hogan, big up, Liam. Big fans, guys. Thoughts on the uh, Bellew and O'Hara Davis feud? I mean, hey, boxing's boxing, isn't it? Like, people gonna people not going to like each other. People are not going to say much about each other. And I think now it's kind of... It's calmed down. I yeah, saw they didn't really... say, like, obviously after he lost... Um... I don't think Bellew had much to say about what happened. So, Ahara said that he's not, he has no bad words to say about Belly, so we just leave it there. <laughs> yes, it, it, that 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 feud is like it's, it, there's no point. And I think they kind of they're at that point in their careers where there's no need to have it. It's just boring. You don't need to be friends, but you don't need to start feuding each right. other. And one of, one of them is retired, and the other, you know, is just lost. He's doing his career, so yeah. Uh, Ryder wins in my eyes, but won't get the decision. I said Maya would dominate Jonas, which she did, but will get robbed. We proved the case. They are smelling the brown envelopes. Yeah, that's the problem with boxing is home cooking is really real. And you can just predict how a lot of fights go. Oh, I think it's going to be competitive, but I don't think if it's competitive, then that guy's going to win because he's in that guy's hometown. And unfortunately, it's been an issue in boxing. It's so unfortunate. Yeah, it's... Is so unfortunate because you, 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 you dedicate your life to a sport, to a whole camp. To know that you know you could potentially get robbed in that fight—that's crazy. Yeah, but well, but let's not act like Ryder didn't benefit from it because he fought Danny Jacobs, and I thought mm. he lost that fight. I thought it was quite clear that he lost that fight, and he got—he was very fortunate, and he got the scorecards. Oh, so it's it goes both ways. Where it's not just one fighter that it happens to; it happens to every single fighter. Mm. It just depends on where you are. Chris Welch says, "I like Bellew, but he, man, he's mad biased towards certain lights." Hundred percent. But that's him, isn't it? That's he his bias and it sells. So it's what gets him back on the disowned broadcast all the time. So you just gotta accept it how it is. I think I think that's it for today. We've covered a lot of topics today. That was really good. Um boxing's gonna start picking up in the next few weeks, so be sure to tune in for uh to ringside frackers for that as boxing starts to pick up more and more again. Obviously, it took a break this week. Next week it will 
it's simmering, you know, and then but then the weeks after it's gonna come straight back and February and March are great months for boxing. We've got some great fights. Tiafimo Lopez coming back on a Thursday night. Um, Tyson Fury, Apataya. And in March, we've got so many big fights. Um, Joshua Nganu, Zhang Parker. We've also got the Japanese fighters all fighting. Um, Junta Nakatani coming back. So there's, there's a lot of things to watch out for um, come uh, February and March. So... Make sure that you're subscribed. Make sure that you like uh, this video. Make sure you comment also on the video. Uh, make sure you're following us on Twitter and, and Instagram at Ringside Fracas. And just keep tuning in because there's it's going to start picking uh, picking it back up. And we're, we're going to review everything. And we're going to go into the, uh, much detail and give you the best shows that we can as possible. So we'll see you next week. Peace. Peace. For this fight. I only trained probably two weeks or three weeks for this fight. I had to bury my best friend and I dedicated this fight. I wasn't going to fight. I dedicated this fight to him. I was going to rip his heart out. I'm the best ever. I'm the most brutal in Michigan, most ruthless champion there's ever been. There's no one could stop me. Lynch is a conqueror. No, I'm Alexander. He's no Alexander. I'm the best ever. There's never been anybody ruthless. I'm Sonny Lipton. I'm Jack Dempsey. There's no one like me. I'm from their floor. There's no one that can match me. My style is impetuous. My defense is impregnable. And I'm just ferocious. I want your heart. I want to eat your children. Praise be to Allah. Sports Social Podcast Network.